For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Phil Elich, and we're going to talk about demand generation strategy. Now, here's the deal. If you are spending a lot of your marketing going after the tiny little percentage of the pie that is ready to buy, but you realize there's a much bigger opportunity out there with people that are not yet ready to buy, and you want to figure out how to nurture them along the journey, you're going to find today's interview very, very interesting. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Phil Elich. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Phil Elich. If you don't know who Phil is, he is a B2B marketing strategist. He's also the founder of B2B Hero, a company that helps small business owners find clients and scale their business. He's also the founder of Kin.co, spelled K-I-I-N.co, which is a LinkedIn ads agency that helps mid to large size brands rapidly scale with LinkedIn ads. Phil, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing super well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you. Today, Phil and I are going to explore a strategy to generate high demand for your products and services. And that word demand is going to come in to be an important word, but we're going to pause there for a second and answer this question. I would love to hear your story, Phil. How the heck did you get into demand generation as a concept or even marketing? Start wherever you want to start. I'd love to hear your backstory. Yeah, I guess the best place to start is in my 20s. I just straight away got into entrepreneurial stuff. My dad owned restaurants. So I got into the family business. And the biggest struggle was always how to get customers into the restaurant. So I was always kind of, I never kind of framed it as marketing, but the big question was always how do we get more customers? And that lasted about eight years before I had enough of the restaurant industry, moved to Portugal, started an open air rooftop cinema here, which is very much B2C. It's very different to what I'm talking about today, but it was an interesting experience to move to Portugal. Real quick, what is a rooftop cinema? Is that like an outdoor movie theater? Yeah, it's outdoor. It's on rooftops in Lisbon. There's by this beautiful, massive church on the rooftops in the center of Lisbon, deck chairs. We, you watch movies under the stars. It's really beautiful. Oh, very if you cool. ever come to Lisbon, it's come down yet. <laughs> Sorry, I had to ask because I'm like, I'd never heard of such a thing. So keep going with the story. Yeah. So that that turned out to be quite successful, but it was never a massive money maker. It was more of a passion. And being in Lisbon where salaries are just generally quite low, I needed to figure out how to 
just work out some online business, something online, preferably of UK and US customers. So this took me down a path of first starting this local startup, which was a prop tech startup. It was B2C, also B2B. So this is when I started moving to B2B and it didn't quite work out. Last a couple of years, we got investment. It kind of exploded in a bad way by the end of the two years. But there was a massive learning curve in this startup and I was doing a lot of marketing stuff and we used a lot of ads especially Facebook ads and Google ads. So this was a lot of the stuff I saw and saw massive successes. Even though the startup didn't work, we saw a lot of small successes along the path. Um, and so this is when I started getting really intrigued by how advertising platforms can really help grow a business. So this is after this, I pivoted, went all in on Facebook ads and then eventually just got onto B2B Facebook ads. Eventually started getting a bit disillusioned with Facebook in about 2019 and had a client which was very much sales led. And Facebook is really not perfect for certain types of clients because you, if you're looking for like a sales director and a medium sized business, you probably can't find them on Facebook very easily. You need to go somewhere else, which is LinkedIn. So I got really, really deep in LinkedIn. And since 2019, I went all in on LinkedIn, like literally super, super deep. Just went all, all in, obsessed over it, started getting a lot of clients, opened up the agency, and yeah, just started focusing on B2B, sales-led B2B SaaS companies. So what that means is anyone who has a product or service over 2K lifetime value. So if you're selling like marketing services or if you're selling like recruitment services, generally speaking, you're probably going to be sales-led. And generally speaking, these are the kind of people I started helping. These are the kind of companies I got really deep on. It's a very different kind of marketing to B2C or even like product-led marketing. Um, so after, And then the final leg of this journey led me to demand generation, which is kind of a broader perspective. But doing demand gen for medium, for like series A startups or above, and spending tons of money on ads, but also doing all this different demand gen stuff, which we'll jump into in a minute. But my final kind of point is that I saw these, this really big success with these big companies or companies which are funded um, doing this demand gen stuff. And I thought, you know what? The people I really, really want to help actually aren't the well-funded companies. It's me. It's someone like me four or five years ago, someone who's just getting started, someone who's kind of freelancer, maybe going down the agency route. Maybe they're starting a small business because a lot of these guys don't have the resources and tools that the bigger companies have, and they don't understand a lot of this methodology. So these are the kind of people that excite me the most at the moment. And yeah, this is the kind of stuff I'd like to talk about the most. Is that where B2B Hero comes in? Kind of explain what B2B Hero is and maybe distinguish it from your agency just so we kind of understand yeah, what you're doing absolutely. now. So Ken is very much the larger companies, LinkedIn ads for large companies. And this is where B2B Hero comes into play. It's more freelancers, small business owners, people who are transitioning from like a full-time job, maybe to a freelance or agency position, someone who's maybe got two or three people on the team, small business owners, who are just trying to work out this marketing thing. If they're sales-led, they're trying to work out. There are just so many platforms, so many strategies, so many people saying, do this, do that. And it's just kind of trying to help them, guide them, like, what's the best place to start? What's step two? What's step three? What's step four? Rather than, you know, a lot of these guys end up trying to do everything at the same time or having shiny object syndrome, trying a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and not really having any success anywhere. So it's kind of where I like to kind of help people kind of basically structure their thoughts, structure their strategy, and just go in all in on something a bit smaller as they're getting started. Perfect. Okay. 
So the concept of demand generation, we're going to get into defining what it is and how it's different than lead generation a little bit. But before we do that, like, what is the big value proposition? What is the why? Why ought people pay attention to the concept of demand generation, even if they don't fully understand what it is? What's the promise of it? Demand gen is basically a holistic approach to marketing. And just by understanding the theories, it's the theories and the like understanding how demand works, like how demand is actually created is once you understand that, then you can understand strategy. You can understand what platforms to use, what strategies on those platforms work specifically for your business. And this is why demand gen, understanding the foundations of demand gen is the kind of base, the foundations of all marketing. And from there, you can then understand whether the, you know, the strategy that one person's saying makes sense for you or not, because a lot of time it doesn't. So demand generation is the is going to help you essentially filter through the actions you ought to take. Is that what I'm hearing you say? So you don't waste your time doing X or Y? Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, it's partly that, but it's also partly a, it's a broader term to understand. It's kind of trying to go understand your customers, who they are, understanding where they are. And also the most important part is how they buy especially in your sub-segment. So what is the process of them reaching a point where they actually need to take an action and want to reach out to someone? So it's understanding this whole process before the sales process starts, basically. I think everybody in my audience is going to be familiar with lead generation, right? Because lead generation is pretty much getting a phone number or an email or a form fill and then figuring out what to do with it. Let's define clearly what demand generation is and dig in a little bit on this because I know you have a lot to say here. Yeah, so this is the thing. We've been kind of, as a group of marketers over the past decade, we've been educated mainly by the CRM systems. We're talking about HubSpot, Salesforce, these kind of guys. They've brought us so much education and a lot of people have been kind of feel like marketing is what HubSpot has been teaching us, which it is, it does work, but it's a lot to do. Like if you're a CRM system, you're going to be biased to something that's very attributable, which is basically something that you can see in the data that's working or not. And generally lead gen is what they push really hard. So creating gated content, getting email addresses, maybe getting phone calls, and then having this crazy sales process trying to, you know, force hit these people in the head as many times as you can, force them from a lead to a sales, you know, conversation. But that process is actually very inefficient. And so what demand gen does is it looks at actually how people want to buy these days. A lot of people don't want to be, you know, they want to sign up some gated content because maybe they find that gated content interesting, but they definitely don't want to be harassed with phone calls and emails and all this kind of stuff. It kind of goes against the grain of what they actually want as a buyer. So with demand gen, we need to understand what is the buying process? What is the things they need to know to get to the point where they want to speak to you? So it's kind of understanding what that process is. Yeah. Well, and let's talk a little bit about the buyer's journey and how it's changed. And let's talk about this dark social concept also. Yeah. So, I mean, like the first thing I'd like to talk about is like understanding the buyer's journey in terms of like problem. There's like at the right at the beginning, there's a group of people. We're talking about 50% of your market, which are problem unaware. Then you have problem unaware, solution aware. Then you have people who are ready to take an action. And generally the people who are ready to take an action is something like one to 5% of your market. So we need to create systems where we can capture that demand. And those systems are very different to creating brand new demand. And creating brand new demand is super, super important and what most people completely miss as well. Because capturing demand is very much like doing Google ads or doing outbound, which is great. But there's kind of a roof you're going to hit. So 
creating demand, which is something like 95% of your market, is where a lot of a lot of this stuff happens in places like dark social. So it could be like organic posts, or it could be, for example, on a podcast. It's very hard to attribute this when they finally come to reach out for you. But I'll just give you kind of um, like how it works with me. Because I'm very, every time I go on a sales call, I'm like, I spend the first five minutes trying to dig in to understand what was the process of that person before they actually spoke to me. There's not one path. A lot of the time they'll be like, oh, I saw your LinkedIn post and I've watched like five of your YouTube videos and I've followed you for six months. And now it's time that I'm actually ready to you know, do LinkedIn ads. So I've reached out to you. So, you know, all that happened, all that happened in a place which is not very, we can't attribute that very clearly. But what, you know, they could have come to me by firstly doing that whole process. But once they, you know, already know who I am, know my name, they go to Google, they type in B2B hero or kin.co and they go to Google, they click on my website, they click on schedule a phone call. My attribution software will show Google is the source of where they came from. So a lot of marketers at this point will put loads of budget into Google ads. But actually, the demand wasn't created by Google. It was created by me posting on LinkedIn every day or having a podcast or having my YouTube channel. So this is called dark social. It's a place which is very hard to really see data where people are coming from. The best way to you know, actually attribute for dark social is literally just to ask when they come on the phone call, just to ask them like, how did you hear about me? Where, you know, what are the sources? And they'll start telling this story. Often they'll tell you a full blown story. And it's really important. That is the data that you need to be writing down and trying to understand better. And this is why marketing budgets don't get pushed to places like you know, actually making an effort to write social posts every single day on LinkedIn. They would rather just put money into advertising or Google ads because the CRM system will say it came from Google. But that's only capturing the demand you've already created over the past six months. Okay, this is fascinating. So what I think I hear you saying is that everybody's on a different journey and us marketers have been trained to use analytics tools to track where the leads are coming from. And a lot of times they don't really know and it's last action attribution, right? So it might be a Google search or it might be a form fill on your website, but what you don't know is how they got there in the first place, right? And what I'm hearing you say is that you can generate a series of actions that we're calling demand generation that can lead them down a organic trail that's hard to track like listening to your podcast, watching your YouTube videos, going back to Google search, and then ultimately over a period of time, getting to the point where they decide to contact you. And really what we're here to talk about is how to generate that demand. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. It's just also understanding there's a difference between capturing the existing demand, which is what everyone's doing. And it's actually really hard for B2B companies because sometimes that market's really small. In B2C, it's easy, right? There's You can capture a lot of demand. With B2B, especially if you have higher lifetime values, the higher you go, the smaller your market, the less capturing there is. So you need to go, you need to stop playing this creating demand space and just understanding there's two different things going on and two different, like each tool can be used in different ways depending on if you're capturing or creating demand is something that I feel like people should know about a little bit more. Well, and I'll give an example. Even in B2C, if it's a complex, expensive sale, like buying a house, you know what I mean? That's going to probably, like, I saw a little tiny ad. My wife and I were walking down a street. We passed a little area and we saw one of these little magazines for the local area. We took it home, opened it up, started paging through. I saw this little one by one and a half inch ad for this new community that's being developed in the area where I live. So I went down the trail of actually contacting, going to their website, ultimately 
texting the person who was behind it. They ended up sending me down this rabbit trail. I ended up looking at the builder's website. I ended up doing all sorts of stuff. Then I ended up going and touring uh, some other, pro- I mean, it was this very complex process that I went down. And I would imagine, you know, in the end, if I end up buying this house, depending on what I do, they might say, oh, this was just a walk-in. You know, this was just a person who walked into a model home, but that's not at all what it was. They'd have to be able to track all the other stuff. They would never know it came through that magazine ad in the first place, which I saw inside of a magazine, which, you know, because there was nothing to click on. It was old fashioned marketing. Maybe that's a horrible example, but I think there's something to it, right? No, absolutely. And this is kind of my main point. It's also just understanding what tools are out there to capture demand, which platforms are good for capturing, what what's good for creating. Okay. So dark social, just so we're clear on what that is. Dark social is, define that again, just so everybody understands what that is. Yeah. So it's just places which people communicate, which are, you can't really attribute for easily. So for example, Slack groups, there are so many Slack groups out there. I'm part of a couple B2B Slack groups and people always be asking each other, Hey, does anyone know anyone who does Google ads? You start recommending people in these Slack groups and then they'll say, Oh, check out their website. They'll go to the website. If you don't ask them, you won't know they've actually come from the Slack group or Facebook group or whatever it is. That's not easily attributable in the CRM system. Again, it probably comes from Google in the CRM system. So therefore, thinking, oh, I need to put some more money into Google Ads. But actually, it's 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 totally dark. It's a place which you can't attribute easily. Slack, Facebook groups, podcasts even are quite hard, you know. So, Phil, what I'm hearing you say is that demand generation, in order to really understand this, we have to think about the fact that there's this big pie, if you will, and only about 1% to 5% of the audience is ready to buy. And this other 95 to 99% is maybe unaware, like you mentioned earlier, or they're just barely starting their journey into pursuing whatever it is that you have to sell. And if we can figure out how to create more demand to bring those people along the journey, is that what we're going to talk about from this point forward with demand generation and the process? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's two things. There's understanding what the buyer's journey is. So understanding the problem, unaware, problem and solution aware, and understanding what people need during the to turn these 95% into that 1% and turn more of them. So I'll just quickly go over like an analogy with me. I'm constantly putting out um, content about why people are wasting their money on Google ads and uh, why they should probably put more into paid social for, I'm not going to go into the reasons now, but these are the, this is the kind of content I'm putting. So I'm basically convincing Mark, and I really believe in it and there's real reasons for it, but I'm basically convincing marketing managers, VPs of marketing, instead of putting that 100K a month for whatever they're doing into Google ads, why don't they allocate some into LinkedIn ads? Because there are benefits to LinkedIn ads and they need to know about those benefits. So suddenly there's a portion of these people who would never have done that if it wasn't for my content. So I'm pushing these people from a state of not really understanding why LinkedIn ads can benefit them and thinking Google ads, it's all about Google ads, but they're suddenly going, wait a minute, maybe I should put 20K a month into LinkedIn ads. So suddenly I've created brand new demand for my service by the content and education that I'm giving along this buyer journey. Perfect. Let's talk about this demand gen process, right? Like let's start with, from your perspective, what do we need to be thinking about first when it comes to generating demand? Yeah, it's also the other thing, which is understanding which platforms, like if we're trying to frame this to small business owners, it's very different to the big guys who have resources and a team. If we're thinking um, from this is a small business owner, these are the kind of people that I'm really trying to help now. um, I would suggest that we start with a capture demand 
thing. Like doing a capture demand marketing initiative first makes sense because often these guys need some cash flow. They need to get the ball rolling. So there is part of the market, which is to capture. And there are four things I'd recommend. And the first thing I'd recommend is to capture demand with outbound. Outbound is one of the greatest ways to capture demand, in my opinion. It's not all the demand gen stuff we're talking about. I'll get to that in a minute. But the first one is just to capture existing demand with outbound. And for example, cold email is outbound or LinkedIn, DMing people, sending people messages on LinkedIn is outbound. And there are numerous things you can do within the outbound space, different strategies within, within that. But just sending people messages and telling them what you do and why you do it is a very quick and also a very affordable way to just get new clients, get phone calls, get people on the phone with you. So let's talk about this outbound concept, right? Whether we're cold emailing somebody or we're sending a LinkedIn direct message, I think it's important for people to wrap their head around how they ought to position such a message because presumably they're capturing that, they're, they're targeting that percent that's not ready to buy right now. So, so give us a little wisdom on how we might want to, what we ought to talk about in such messages. Yeah. So, well, the first thing is, as I say, is the capture demand. So with like outbound and capturing demand, it's kind of like fishing. So we're trying to target now just this. This is There are very different strategies between hitting the 95% and that 1% to 5%. And with outbound, it's kind of like fishing. You're just putting or you're putting the net out there. You're trying to see who's right now available to buy. So for example, I had someone recently come to email me saying, hey, Phil, I see you're not doing YouTube shorts. You should be. But it's been on the back of my mind for like weeks. And so suddenly I didn't ignore that email. I answered them and said, actually, this is something I really need to do. Thanks for emailing me. Can we talk about this? So they caught me at the right time. They probably emailed another hundred people who were not ready or weren't in the market for it. Other YouTubers who were like, I don't need to do that, or I'm already doing that. But they caught someone who was me in this outbound message, which it was perfect timing. Yeah, it's interesting because I do get messages on Instagram almost every day from people telling me the exact same thing, right? Like, hey, you could be doing more with shorts or I'll get messages inside of Messenger, right? Facebook Messenger and sometimes over, over LinkedIn as well. So basically in this particular case, we're fishing for the, is this fishing into the 95% because you're not actively looking or is this fishing into the top 5% that are actually been thinking about this? I recommend first start going for the, capturing the people who are in market now because often small business owners they need the cash flow so these are the quickest way just to get clients you need to go there there's a limit to it and it's not the best strategy but it's the quickest and cheapest so it's a great place to start but there are like there are different points so the the second place i would go to is linkedin organic if you're b2b did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Before we go to LinkedIn Organic, we had discussed something about video prospecting, and I would love you to talk about that. Yeah. So the video prospecting, in my opinion, is one of the greatest outbound strategies or techniques out there because there are so many people doing outbound cold email it's cold right so we're trying to warm them up with a video if you do video prospecting i.e filming yourself either doing a very personalized loom message where you literally have their background of their website or their linkedin profile or both and you're literally going with a two-minute video which you can rehearse and the more you do it the better you get 
trying to be as concise as possible, showing the value, how you can help them with a video. It basically cut through the noise because when you receive that message, the first thing most people are thinking is, is it automated or is it you know, actually personal? And if you have a video like this, people are like, okay, this guy's made some effort, let's hear him out at least. And it's also you get this really cool little GIF in the email. And so it's very clickable. I'm getting something like 10% click-through rate on that which is quite good. It's pretty good, 10%. So people then watch the video and it's up to them to decide if they're, you know, if it's right for them or not. But video prospecting is one of the greatest strategies I would say right now. Just out of curiosity, there are probably some people wondering how in the world do I even get these people's emails or even know how to contact them? Do you have any wisdom on that? Yeah, I mean, my whole YouTube channel is like all about this basically, but it's, uh, you can use so many different tools. I'm not going to name drop any, but there are like millions of tools. They all roughly do the same thing. And you basically, you normally use LinkedIn and you'd go create a prospect list on LinkedIn or Sales Navigator, which is, it's connected to LinkedIn. It's just basically got better search functionality and use these tools and it basically just gets all the emails. It's a database. It gets all the email addresses, puts in a CSV file. You upload it into your outbound email tool all these tools have to be connected and all this kind of stuff and then you can create a strategy from there but it gets quite in depth because there's also this whole conversation between personalization and automation i don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole but there are so many different ways you can do outbound well i love the fact that you have it on your youtube channel if anybody wants to go to your youtube channel why don't you just go ahead and tell everybody what the channel is and then we'll move on to the next part of the process which was the linkedin organic yeah, so it's B2B Hero. If you type that into YouTube, you'll find uh, B2B Hero. Yeah, so LinkedIn Organic is one of the greatest ways still to scale. The algorithm still pushing out content quite far. It is going to drop off and it is dropping off already. But it basically means posting on LinkedIn from your personal profile, not your company one, every single day, five days a week, or as much as you, you can. And you're basically just trying to give your day-to-day updates so for example with me i post about linkedin ads quirks or look what i just did. it's kind of like not showing off but for example if i do something good and i'm really proud of it, i did something good for a client i'll post i'll say this is what i did this is how i did it i literally put everything i do out in the open i don't try to hide any strategies or techniques i literally just show people exactly what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis if you want you can go back to the history of my linkedin and learn everything about linkedin ads it's all there for open but what happens is over time people see you popping up a lot they're getting these nuggets of wisdom and it's kind of like brand awareness but for you for you personally so it's um, building this personal brand around a, this topic you're you know you're selling ultimately a service or product so it's building this like this brand around that topic and eventually what happens is people reach out to you so i get people reaching out to me every single week saying hey phil i saw the post about this can we talk about doing linkedin ads for my company so this is a linkedin organic strategy well and i think this is worth talking about for anybody who is a consultant a coach an author or, you know, agency owner where their personal brand, their name is tied to their company. I would imagine that people, if they discover, or even a friend tells them in a Slack group, hey, go check out Phil, right? They're probably going to go and look you up and Google search you and your LinkedIn profile is going to come up probably first, right? And then they're going to go to your LinkedIn profile and consume your content. This is part of that like reason why I would imagine you might want to do this, right? Because even if they're not following you on LinkedIn, they might seek you out to kind of get some sort of social 
proof to see, okay, how much engagement does this guy get on his post? What kind of content is he posting? Is he for real? Is that kind of why maybe you do something like that? There are so many whys, actually. It's incredible. Um, like, for example, yeah, it's the trust and authority elements. You build so much trust and authority, which is incredible. But it's also going back to this creating new demand stuff, which is, for example, I did a post on, I always post about why you should put money towards LinkedIn ads or this kind of like, I've analyzed my buyer's journey and I create content on what people are asking me. So for example, one great feedback loop I do is every time people on a, I get on the phone call and people are asking me certain questions, I'll put it in a post because I know it's a question they probably have and it's a question they need to answer before they're ready to take the next step. So this is the kind of stuff you do to help people push people along the buyer's journey to get them to go, you know what, maybe we're ready for this now. Maybe we're ready to reach out to Phil or whoever it is and, you know, inquire a little bit more. It's creating all this demand. Just out of curiosity with the content that you're actually creating on LinkedIn, is it mostly written posts or are you also doing videos? Do you have any insights as to what seems to work best? Yeah, absolutely. I've been experimenting with both. The written stuff goes out a lot further. The algorithm will push it a lot further. But actually the video content, now that you have all this AI content stuff coming out, it's a lot harder to fake video still at this point in time. So I'm finding video to be really great, even though the algorithm won't push it as far. Maybe they'll change this with the AI stuff happening. I find video, as a, again, with the video prospecting cold email, video in any format, even if it's in, in a post on LinkedIn, is a great way to show who you are, show your values. People will also identify with you quicker. So video is just awesome. I probably wouldn't do a video post every single time, and I'll do more like 75% written, the remainder video probably. But there's also like doc posts, which are basically, you know, the lead magnets you normally have. You do an ungated version of that lead magnet in a doc post. Those at the moment are going wild because it's a new format that LinkedIn's pushing really hard. So the more of those you can do at the moment, the better. When you say dark post, I'm not sure everybody understands what you mean by that. It's a document post. Oh, it's, a doc um, post. Okay. Yeah, 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 doc. Sorry. So yeah, doc post. And it's just basically like, it, you can see it's a PDF, which you can scroll. Ah, ungate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's just there for people to see. And it's the algorithm is pushing it really hard at the moment. So it's a great one. Okay. So uh, just so far to bring us up to speed, we're talking about how to capture demand. And the first step is the obvious low-hanging fruit is outbound email. LinkedIn messages. Ideally, if you can do it with a video, that would be great. And then the second step, which is not going to create as much instant response is this LinkedIn organic, right? Because the benefits, as you stated, is that people that follow you are going to get notified, presumably, and hopefully see that content next time they're on LinkedIn. And of course, if anyone is seeking you out, they might go to your LinkedIn profile and see all of this content. So I can kind of see how these things are stacking, right? You've got this, this simple outbound message. You've got this organic machine, if you will, that you're publishing on LinkedIn. And I would imagine there's no reason you couldn't do the same thing on Twitter or on even Facebook, right? So you kind of pick the platform of choice. Is that fair? I'd say so. You just got to, it's just like a supermarket. You pick the supermarket that where your customers are. Um, for me, it's always LinkedIn. Most B2B buyers are on LinkedIn. Right. And, you know, surprisingly, like I've got a Web3 podcast. There's a massive crypto and Web3 audience on Twitter. So, and there's a lot of people getting incredibly high exposure, putting these thread posts on Twitter, which could be exactly the same thing that you're talking about. So, okay. The next step of the process seems to be more intentional content, right? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've I've staggered it this way for the small business owner just to make it easy for them to start. Next step is to create this authority and trust of LinkedIn. So one of the greatest places to be is in this 
stage three, where you're creating content which is searchable, but also in this dark social area. So we're talking about like searchable content is, for example, YouTube, which is where I play a lot at the moment, and or for example, podcast, which is less searchable, but podcast is a great dark social place to be. Also blogging. I don't know, I'm not a blogging expert, so I don't know where blogging's heading with AI or that. I'm not the right person to ask for that, but blogging at least used to be and probably still will be a great place to be. So for example, I create YouTube videos on a weekly basis and they're very searchable. I'm not, I'm going down the route of how to do this, how to get emails, how to et cetera, et cetera. So over time, I, I have videos people are still watching from two years ago. And these videos over time start compounding to the point where, you literally create an archive of videos or blog articles or whatever it is, or podcasts, um, where people start binge watching them as well. It creates so much authority and trust and also finds you brand new customers because a lot of my entry point to me for people discovering me now is my YouTube channel, often LinkedIn as well, but actually the YouTube channel because people will just be trying to work out something quite technical and I'll I'll pop up with how to link up your business manager with X, Y, and Z. I'll be there going, hey, this is how you do it. Then they get, they see the algorithm will push another video from me. Then they'll start pushing bottom of funnel ones, which is, hey, by the way, would you want to work with me? So YouTube is fantastic. But you got to, once you start going playing in this arena of searchable content, it's not a short-term strategy. It's more of a mid to long-term strategy. And this is why I say start with the short-term strategies, cold email, LinkedIn, and then start doing this on this one will compound and be by far the most powerful. But often if you are trying to get revenue early on, you don't really have six to eight months to wait for your content to start ranking. Yeah. And you know, this is, we're a media company. So we're in the business of doing all three of these, right? We create YouTube videos, we create blog content, we create podcasts. We also create live shows. We're not selling necessarily B2B services per se, but if we were, we'd probably be crushing it. You know, we're selling instead events, right? Social media marketing world and so on and so forth. But th there's something here, right? And it's true that each of these pieces of content typically is like 10 to minutes to an hour, depending on what it is, right? Like we, you and I are creating a 45 minute interview approximately on average. And if you think about this, many of the people that listen to this podcast through the process of these interviews are learning something new and reaching out to the guests, right? So this is the other side of it is being a guest on somebody else's podcast can also be really nice demand generation as well. Do you want to talk about that at all? Has that been part of your strategy? It's starting to be part of my strategy from today being on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, it's one. Of, it's so powerful to be on other people's podcasts. If you don't want to start your own podcast, you can do also a strategy to find um, ways to find to get on other people's podcasts you guys reach out to me but normally it's the other way you can start an outbound strategy to get on other people's podcasts you have to give them good value tell them you know why they should you know talk to you and all this kind of stuff but being on other people's youtube channels or collaborating with other people on youtube or podcasting or whatever it is is super powerful of course well and what about the other side of speaking at events too right because there are so many different events all over the world that are designed, whether it be a local professional organization that brings in an expert to speak for an hour, or whether it be kind of a conference that's spread over multiple days, typically those kind of events, people are going there because they want to learn. And back in the day when I used to be a writer, I would speak at all these local events in California, and I would almost always walk away with one or two customers. I would teach them how to do what I did, which is how to write white papers. But in the process of teaching, I would hint that I have clients. 
You know, I would just be a subtle little clue like, hey, this is what some of my clients have done. And then at the end, I would have people talk to me, someone ask me, how do you actually practically do this? Others would say, you've convinced me this is too complicated. I want to hire you to do it, right? So in my mind, this kind of creation of content today in the internet, written, spoken, video, has kind of been around forever if we think about it in the form of speaking, right? Because it's kind of the same concept. What do you think about that? I think it's the ultimate form of trust and authority. If you start speaking at conferences, you're literally going to be the man on that topic. People are going to think like, there's no higher form of authority if you've been invited to the conference in the perception of the audience. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've done some like online talks with very niche audiences. For example, I did one IT marketing, VPs of marketing in the IT industry who are looking to do demand gen over lead gen. In, it was super specific, but I got a bunch of clients because they're so specific and they all needed what I was talking about. So yeah, it totally works. If you go to a more broader one like that, it's also you know great to on your website to say, well, you know, you've been your speaker in different places. So it's the ultimate form of authority for sure. But where it lacks, where it's weak is where all this other content is strong because it's not going to be searchable, right? It's going to be gated to those who are there. And the benefit of blogging, YouTubing, and podcasting is potential reach forever as long as people are seeking it and can find it, right? That's where you might want to record that thing if you're there and publish it on YouTube, right? You know what? Well, I had a minor burnout like a year ago and I stopped posting on YouTube. And because it's all searchable, I'm not doing like these crazy, like, look at me, look at these. It's all searchable content. My audience stayed the same. I like the amount of people watching me on a weekly and monthly basis stayed exactly the same. This is why I love YouTube so much. I can suddenly take a holiday and things still, you know, keep running in the background. Okay. So for the demand generation kind of concept that we're talking about, step one is to generate some uh, demand by uh, outbound, right? Which is emailing and LinkedIn, for example. And then step two is to basically consider organic on the social platforms you're advising LinkedIn. Step three, what we just talked about is developing content that has a long tail, right? That can be searchable, indexable, and hopefully watched into the future. What's the next step of the process? So the final one is advertising. And a lot of people skip all the first three steps and try to do ads and they come to me and they're like, okay, I just want to scale, you know, ads, the pros of ads is they're very scalable. They're amazing. You can scale stuff out of ads. You can go from 1K to 10K to 20K ad spend and all sorts of stuff. But it's definitely not the first step. It's the last step. I'd say I'm constantly refusing people who haven't done any of these other steps. They aren't getting you know, much revenue. They're not getting many clients. They haven't figured out a lot of the other stuff. And they're just like, let's just do ads. Let's scale this out and ads. So ads are amazing that there are definitely pros, but I wouldn't, if someone's selling you advertising as a service, just be careful. If you haven't actually figured out your marketing, your unique selling point, who you're targeting, all this foundational stuff is really important to work out first. Test it on cheaper platforms, test on cheaper uh, channels, such as outbound, which is very cheap test your messaging, test who you're targeting on a very cheap channel like Outbound. And eventually, once you've worked it all out, maybe you can start advertising and scaling it out of advertising. But advertising, I mean, you know, paid search, which is Google, or paid social, which is mostly Meta and LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube even. Well, you have a lot of experience with LinkedIn. So let's talk a little bit about like, assuming there are some listening right now who have probably got the first three parts of this process down. Maybe they don't do a lot of outbound stuff, but maybe they've got their 
they've got their content marketing play down and they've built an incredible authority um, and maybe they're ready for advertising. Specifically, talk to us a little bit about LinkedIn since you have such an experience in this. Like, why is it so effective potentially for the right company? Yeah, so the way I do LinkedIn ads is very much from a demand gen perspective as well, not not lead gen. So most people do LinkedIn ads as a way to get leads. So they'll have a gated content, they'll get the lead, and then they'll push salespeople to try to convert those leads into a you know a sales call. So I think that's a really poor strategy in all honesty. It does work to a certain extent, but you, what people don't realize is how much money they're putting into the whole whole system isn't just how much putting into the ads it's also how many salespeople you need so like if you look at the whole initiative it starts being quite expensive because you need to hire these very expensive salespeople to convert all these people so a better strategy is the demand gen strategy and this again goes around understanding everything we've talked about in this podcast so far about creating content it's more about the way i see linkedin ads is more about a content distribution platform than a performance marketing platform so it's about understanding your buyer's journey and then having ungated content and putting it in front of your entire market like for example a large portion of my market is on linkedin on a weekly basis and i can create audiences to target them really really well on linkedin and so i don't want to put gated content in front of them because most of them won't download it firstly and even the ones that do download it won't consume it i want to put content in front of them that they actually consume they learn something from me and i can push them along this buyer's journey that we've been talking about so with a strategy that i generally do on linkedin i would push ungated demand gen type of strategy just understand what are the questions for example your buyers are asking create content around that and just give it to them so does this mean you're taking some of your linkedin organic content and putting some money behind it to get it in front of an audience or does this mean more you're driving them to your youtube videos or help me understand it's a mixture of for me i will drive people also to the youtube but one of the greatest things now coming out of linkedin is that it's in be better mode at the moment, but you're going to be able to do ads from your personal profile linked to your company. So at the moment, you can only do ads from your company page, but it's going to be really powerful because one of the best things about LinkedIn and generally speaking, B2B buyers don't want to buy from companies. They want to buy from people. It's a people to people business, as they say. So being able to advertise for leadership content on LinkedIn from your personal profile is going to change the game of LinkedIn ads completely, in my opinion. Strategies are going to have to shift more to this new feature that's coming out. Super exciting. It's coming out any month now to the general public. So, Yeah, that's exciting. Facebook has already done this with the Facebook professional profile, which they can take your personal profile, turn into professional profile publish a lot of content on there and put money behind that. So what I love about Phil's strategy here is that you can apply this concept to LinkedIn. You can apply it to Facebook. You can probably apply it to most of the social platforms, which is really super exciting. If people want to reach out to you, maybe there's something you said here that they're super intrigued about. What's the best social platform? I'm guessing it's LinkedIn. If so, tell us how to get there. And then also, where can they find out more about your business? To be honest, I'm pushing everyone to YouTube at the moment. So that's B2B Hero on YouTube or type it into Google. Um, it'll, my website will come up. But yeah, if you want to DM me on LinkedIn, it's Phil Illich, P-H-I-L. And the surname is I-L-I-C. Just DM me and you can ask any questions on LinkedIn. I'm there most of the day, basically lingering. Awesome. Phil, thank you so much for coming on the show and answering all our questions. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 570. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow this show so it shows up automatically 
in your favorite podcast app. And if you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.